You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Bridge to You podcast, hosted by yours truly, Monique Russell, where we focus on promoting Black unity worldwide through conversations that help us understand ourselves and each other. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bridge to You podcast. I am your host, Monique Russell. And today, in my guest chair, I have the pleasure and honor to be interviewing none other than Mr. Kelly Blackman. Kelly is an author. He's the founder of B Consulting. He's a business and career coach whose life passion is really to help you Figure out your roadmap, your roadmap to yourself, your roadmap for success, your roadmap for life. He also hosts a live social media LinkedIn show, How to Win at Everything. He's a TED Circle presenter, and he stepped into entrepreneurship, not so much intentionally, but accidentally, and his passion took off. Kelly, it is my pleasure to welcome you to the show. Hey, hey, Monique, and hey, everybody. Uh, it's good to be here. It's good to be here. I've obviously followed you for a while, so it is a great uh, situation anytime I can be having a face-to-face with you yes. virtually. Yes. Well, Kelly, I mean, I always like to start off my interviews with this question because a lot of my guests are travelers, and if you could choose anywhere in the world where you would want to be right now, where would you choose and why? Ooh, that is a good one. The family and I had a cruise planned for actually this month to go to uh, Greece and the Mediterranean. I would love to be there right now. Like, uh, haven't been before, but man, it's like the stuff I've seen has been so beautiful. Know some people over there. Uh, yeah, that would have been my place right now. Well, I will tell you, I have never been to Greece and it's on my list too. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. definitely anywhere I think right now would be a welcome, a yeah. welcome journey. <laughs> Going anywhere is, yeah. Anywhere. So Kelly, one of the things that I really, really was intrigued about when we first started talking was your whole development um, upbringing. You are, you studied psychology mm-hmm. and you are very in tune with your emotions, your feelings. And, you know, as a Black man, they say, you know what, the Black man is not in tune with his feelings and emotions, but you getting in touch with your inner child was not something that's foreign to you. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Like, what was that like for you? How did you become so in tune with the inner child? See, now that's an interesting thing because for me, first off, I don't think people in general are very in tune with themselves, period. Uh, But Obviously, it is a case that as a black male, it is almost pushed upon us to have this machismo and this bravado and this, if I'm just being honest, I do think that part of the issue is 
when you've been enslaved and you've had uh, your manhood be something that's been questioned and taken and that sort of thing. I think it does play a big part in in how we behave. So for me, I think a lot of my journey has come from really honestly looking at Black men in general. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, I remember my dad, my uncle, I, I had to be like five, six years old. And they're like, you know, best thing you can do, boy, get you a girlfriend. And if you're doing good, get you several girlfriends. And, you know, this is this is what I'm getting taught. And I think when I look back upon those people, especially when I got into uh, studying God, when I got into studying uh, really just human behavior, you start to see where some of that stuff comes from. And in all honesty, it really made me start thinking, uh, this is a big reason for why we have a lot of the issues we have today, where people are looking like, I don't necessarily fit into this or that. I have to go to this extreme. So for me, when I really start looking at it, I'm thinking, what feels right morally, ethically? What do, you know? How am I going to be uh, when it comes to my relationship with other people, other Black people, uh, when it comes to my wife, when it comes to my kid, my mother, my sister, and trying to be that thing that I wanted for them, for everyone else? You know what? You said something really interesting there that's going to pique my, my next question. And because when you talked about the influence of your your dad and your uncle and how they shaped really a lot of some of the beliefs in terms of growing up and what to do and what to expect, that whole journey mm-hmm. of what it means to be a Black man or how do you mm-hmm. show up and how do you demonstrate your manhood? Yep. And then even moving into connecting with other Black people. What were some of the things that you heard growing up or you were exposed to growing up about other Black cultures? <laughs> uh, well, so I don't know if this was just, we, we were in a project and I know that this is a huge thing and uh, I don't know how widespread this was because the projects is like almost like its own little separate world. But uh, one of the worst things you could be called was an African booty scratcher. You know, (laughs) it would be the case that if you were told that, oh, well, you're an African and, you know, this was a a very negative thing. There were literally like three paragraphs in in my history book in eighth grade about Black people, about Black history, about Africa. And it was basically something along the lines that we were savages, we were slaves, now we're here. And I think that lack of, definition uh, really put some angst between American Blacks and Black folks around the diaspora. I mean, if you think about it, our culture is honestly 400 years old, you know, because we don't we don't really have a full culture. So uh, at this point, I feel like Black men are learning to be Black men. Black women are learning to be Black women. I mean, considering the fact that for all of slavery, we have Black families who are separated and pulled apart. We're just now learning how to be family. It was just uh, in my era, public aid was still saying you couldn't have a man in the house uh, and still receive food stamps. So it's only been the last probably 40 years, 30 years maybe, where you've had a situation where Black families were allowed to actually be together. So uh, in that sense, it's a learning curve. And uh, right now, we're still trying to come to some sort of semblance of what it really means to be Black and a Black man and a Black woman and Black family. I love that aspect on education and learning and just learning a new way of being, because especially when you point out the fact that, you know, you didn't have that that definition or that understanding Mm -hmm. or even Mm -hmm. the learning that you had was with three paragraphs (laughs) 
three yep. paragraphs. Come on, seriously, in the high school book, you know, and I can even think back to when I was growing up in the islands and mm-hmm, my mm-hmm. history and the learning about, you know, what um, African-American people have gone through. It was very limited. Yeah. So when you talk about growing up in the projects and, and the worst thing you could call somebody was the African booty scratcher. I mean, what, what was that all about? What you laughing at <laughs> Kelly? What was that all about? That, what did that mean? Uh, honestly, I do not know what it meant because um, there was the connotation of you put an African on it meant it was bad. Mm-hmm. And this is across the board. African was bad. And the only thing that we understood about Africa is kind of, I guess, what we were taught that it was uh, underdeveloped. It was a place where there was a lot of probably the biggest thing I had as far as understanding anything about Africa outside of our insults to each other uh, was probably National Geographic. And uh, as a kid, you're looking through the National Geographic, you're not reading articles, you're like, Uh, That tribe has no shirts. And that is the upside. And that's pretty much it. Like you really didn't know anything about Africa, about Africans, and definitely not about our connection uh, to this place. That's what I love so much about this uh, show, Bridge to You, because even in our limitations of awareness and understanding, Mm -hmm. for some reason, some way, somehow, we found a way to get more awareness, to get more knowledge, and Mm -hmm. to facilitate that connection you and I actually met in the Professionally Black uh, yep. Forum yep. on LinkedIn. And my question to you now is, given that you started off with a very limited understanding mm-hmm. of Africa, Africans, what it meant and the connection, what was that journey like for you to go from not having clarity or understanding to now being an advocate, a champion, someone who practices Black cultural connection. How did well, you get this way? See, now that's, for me, it's it's an interesting journey because um, we started off celebrating Christmas. We started off with pretty much being very Americanized, right? Like there's all of the stuff that we do that represents this Anglo-American culture. And it was all cool until probably like 87, 88. And my dad was the one he discovered... Um, like black nationalism right so uh he had me read malcolm x's autobiography and man i was charged i was charged up i thought white people were the devil you know you could see all of these bad things that came from uh european culture and then it's like yeah i i was in so every week we'd be at some nationalist meeting and 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 most of it wasn't militant most of it was really more about uh, Afrocentric education and, and learning your culture. But that all really was uh, a jumping off spot for me to really get a better understanding of not only Black folks in America, but African culture worldwide, like where where Black people have been, where the Moors were, you know, in Sicily and in the Philippines and that sort of thing. And really to learn about the history, it, it obviously changed the trajectory for me. So I'm not I'm no longer in a place where an African booty scratcher is a real thing or or a funny thing or something that I want to use as an insult. It was, and there's also a time where right around the same time, popular rap culture, which is, I'm a B-boy, like I was in it. I'm looking at that stuff and they're teaching me to respect my own culture. And they're teaching me, 
you can't disrespect black women. You know, you can't, you have to do these things that, that are uplifting and making sure that you're given a certain respect and honor to where you come from. That changed the whole thing for me. So it really, really outweighed the information I had gotten from, uh, you know, my dad and those guys back in the day and even my current environment, which wasn't all on that same page. I find that to be so incredible. It's like, you were infused. It was like a full immersion almost, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. sort of like a brainwashing immersion immersion of mm-hmm. how to respect your own Black culture. Yeah. And that kind of changed a, a bit of the way that you thought previously. And then now mm-hmm. it's like, what are you doing with your kids in this regard? If I'm being honest, I, I fed into the militancy of the early mid-90s. You know, you got the Rodney King thing. That was the that was the George Floyd of our time, you know. So when those sort of things happened, I was angry. I was angry and I really lacked any sort of perspective. I had like two white buddies and, you know, they they were like white, really light skinned black kids. You know, they they didn't know anything about any of this either. It wasn't really until I <laughs> my my study of God is really what kind of bridged this gap. Because I started off like kind of in the middle, but in the middle because of ignorance, I didn't really know anything about black or white culture. I just, I was a kid. I knew being a kid. And once I learned all of this information about European countries dividing up Africa and taking all its riches and, and, and chattel slavery and, and the Willie Lynch letter and, 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 and racism in America and, you know, who's bringing the guns into the black community and the drugs and once I learned those things, I was like, I was angry and I was, I was way on the other end of this because I'm like, no, black people are, are the right ones and the white man is the devil. And, and it wasn't until I got an understanding of God where it started to be like, wait a minute, the vision doesn't seem to be God's way. It seems to be the case that, yeah, we have these differences, but there's some commonalities too. And it really wasn't until like, once I got to that point, it really started to make sense to me that there's some universal stuff. And that really like has centered me more. So when I teach my, like, so my son is 16. He gets that if he's driving around and he gets stopped by the police, he gets what this is. You know, this isn't, this isn't La La Land. This isn't a, this isn't a fairy tale. He has to respect the kind of world that we live in. He also understands that there are good black people. There are bad black people. There are good white people. There are bad white people. As far as race is concerned, it's really not a factor. Race is, uh, I was looking at uh, Liz Lieber's uh, uh, article the other day, and she's making a point that race is really, it's a construct of our own minds. It's like, it's not biologically, we're not different. Uh, there's not a case where all white people want their kids to die, but I love my kid. It's like, no, we're we're all very similar in that way. So for him, we try to teach him this holistic sort of way, love and respect your culture, love and respect what you where you come from. And just like there are going to be Black things that really piss you off and make you mad because of the fact that some of the stuff we do is just wrong and bad and bogus and ignorant. On the flip side of that, there are some very great things about Black folks. So we try to give them this holistic idea and keep keep them God-centered so that it keeps them from taking on, I guess, what, what I would call the, the divisiveness of the current times of the world we live in. Mm, that's beautiful. Kelly, you are taking us through a really deep introspective journey because to be someone who grew up in the projects where African booty scratcher was an insult to a point where you now moved into 
um, this militant style of black mm -hmm. pride, black culture. We are the uh -huh. best. We are superior. Yep. And then having this spiritual awakening, this deep spiritual transformational awakening to really see that, hey, you know what? We have more in common than we do have different. And yep. to also embrace now passing this down to your son. This is something that is beyond incredible. And yep. I'm just so glad that you're sharing this information with us today. Kelly, I know you are um, an expert in psychology and I know that you okay, expert. Okay. <laughs> you, I know that you definitely help people to see things differently and it's not I'm just trying, out yeah. of your own experiences. It's, it's also out of your training. So mm -hmm. the thing that really hit me a lot, which was really powerful, was when you said, respect your own culture. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk a little bit more about that respect aspect and for you to tie in your psychology background here as well. When we think of the division that does exist between Black cultures, mm. the respect aspect of respecting yourself, respecting your culture first in order to respect others. I see this play out a lot. What can you share with our audience? If you had one thing to share, like what could you share with our audience in terms of moving themselves from disrespect to respect? So the good thing is that's a, that's a universal thing. That's, that's going to play out the same with men and women, with Black people of different backgrounds of different cultures of different regions that's going to play out between races it, it really becomes about self-awareness first and uh, one of the things that the um, emotional intelligence teaches us is that the more self-aware we are the more we're able to like make a space and make a uh, a safe space for other people to have their differences so um if it's a case where i cannot remember uh this man's name but he's a musician uh, and this guy goes and he actually meets with KKK members and, uh, and I'm looking at it and he makes this point uh, in his story where he talks about there's a, an ego trip that we're on and if we let our ego and, and, and go a little bit and we become a little bit more humble and stop thinking about what we deserve or what we're owed, we can actually see these are just people like these are just people. It doesn't make them wicked. It doesn't make them the worst thing like they're doing bad things. And, and some stuff we understand that we don't agree with. Uh, it's exactly like that in our own Black culture. Everyone comes from somewhere slightly different. And even if it's the case, I, I personally had a couple of issues uh, when in, we're, in, we're in Chicago, there's all of this rioting going on. And some of the stuff, like they're still in drugs. And, and I know a lot of, I have a lot of older friends who, you know, they can't get medications they need to stay alive because people, it's like, well, is this really based on George Floyd or is this someone being, hey, I see the situation. I'm going to come up. I don't agree with that. I don't like that. I see people hurt over that. Uh, the way that I put this into use is I say, I understand that this person who's doing this, they don't have any sort of problem with with my older friend who doesn't get their their meds. These people are going through something where they're they're frustrated. They see an opportunity to get and it's been a long time since they've had a chance to get where they felt like things were fair. So it's like, hey, I'm going to strike out, even if it's in a place that or in a way that's wrong or unjustified. The the real thing we have to do is try to make an attempt to bridge those gaps. So between cultures, between our own race uh, across the world, it's about 
I'm not that important. I'm not that big a deal. My stuff isn't always right. Let me try to understand yours. Let me listen to your story. And through that, we can actually start finding that common ground. Hmm. I want to pretend as though I'm that person who you grew up with. And and I'm displaying what I hear you say is anger. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, I'm taking the opportunity to leverage my frustrations that I've been holding for a long time um, on a situation that may not justify or warrant the, the, the reaction that I'm doing. But you know what? I feel like I need to be angry anyway. So Kelly, and then this is not me, but I'm just saying, pretend mm-hmm. that that's mm-hmm. me. I'm not interested in connection. I'm mm-hmm. angry. I'm frustrated. How do you how do you even begin to connect with me to say, <laughs> hey, you know what? You you don't need to look at other black cultures as as um, inferior or negative. How would mm-hmm. you even how would you even take me on as a project? What would you do? So ultimately, you're pretty much everybody in my family is what you're saying. Okay, I got you. So, <laughs> so here's the thing. There, it's a scriptural principle that says there's a time and a place for everything, right? Mm. The reality is that, that when someone has just stolen their big screen TV, you're probably not going to get them to be conscious enough to listen to even be in a, a place where they can accept that information. So probably the the best thing I could do, because if you're not in a in a coaching setting where someone's come to you to look for a solution, most people aren't aren't there like mentally. So the, the best thing you can do if you're in that spot is be super casual. You know, I've done sales for probably 30 years almost. The reality is that the thing that people hate most about salesmen is that they're trying to sell stuff. But an advocate, an advocate is much different. An advocate is still trying to get you to buy stuff, but they're on your side and they're trying to help. So if it's me and you and we're talking, first thing I say is, hey, how you doing, Monique? You're, oh, hey, I'm good. I, you know, been a few days since I stole those TVs from those sons of guns. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm happy because I got this. And it's like, well, hey, you know what? I heard this thing about these breathing exercises. Check this out. Can you, can you do this with me? Here, breathe in. Hold it for a second. And then breathe out through your mouth. Count to four. Like, man, can you feel that? I feel it in my shoulders. There's, there's a bit of relaxation. Yeah. You do that a few times. And now what happens is that you're getting more circulation to your brain. So the chances of your defenses kicking up as fast are, are lower. You can be a little bit more reasonable. Like, you know, what's crazy is that um, I, I really enjoy the idea of Black people making a statement. Like, I got to tell you, though, I'm not sure if that statement really comes across. And it's like, well, you know, if you're that person, you probably say, yeah, I mean, I feel you. But I mean, look, they killing black folks all the time. So it's whatever it is. It is what it is. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know what? That's true. Let me let me ask you, though. Do you think it would be the same if roles were reversed? If someone had done something to you because you did something wrong, would it make a difference to you if like whichever way they came at you to to get back at you? Or is it just, hey, you hit me, I shoot you. I mean, obviously, no, like they needs to be within reason. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And I'd probably leave it right there because you get overload. Mm -hmm. You get like cognitive overload if you're making someone go through this whole thing. And I have enough people who've been mad at me. Just happened to me last night when you're trying to push and you tell people stuff more and more. And after a while, they're just like, 
fine, I don't care. I, I, I will go ahead and ride with no seatbelt. I hate you and your mom is stupid. And that is what you'll get. So if you come back a little bit later and, you know, like, man, you remember we did those breathing things? How, you like that? Like, yeah, I'm going to. And you do modeling. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that feels great. And they all of a sudden start doing it, too. And then you go back into, yeah, you know, <laughs> man, I was sitting there thinking about the other day about the TV thing. And you can pause that engage, engage where they're coming from. And slowly but surely, you can actually help people to see the other side of the reasoning. I don't think there's any, like outside of some sort of mind control, I don't think there's any psychological tricks you can play to take away people's choice. You know, I always think about this. It doesn't really matter how much I agree or disagree with what you're doing. Ultimately, you have a God-given choice. And if God is going to let you choose, who the heck am I to take that away? So it's really more about reasoning and setting people up so that they can see all the factors that they need to make a better choice. Mm. Kelly, 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 I see why you are the master sales psychologist bringing out the inner child. (laughs) Right, that's right. Bringing out the inner child here, because listen, even when you did that, you were so smooth when you did that uh, breathing (laughs) exercises, you didn't wait for, you didn't even wait for that response. Come on, do this with me. Before I knew it. I, yeah, was you're doing it. It out. I was breathing in and out. You were smooth with it. And what I love too, is that you talk about this from a sales standpoint. So you brought in the psychology, you brought in the sales and mm. the fact that you say, you know what, be an advocate, but not only be an advocate, but be an advocate in bites. So mm-hmm. you can't just come and do a whole overload or overwhelm. You have yeah. to be able to set it up so that people can win. You have to focus on reasoning and sort of developing that skill set so that Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's all about that perspective shifting and sharing, if you will. So Kelly, I I know, sorry. I'm sorry. Can I add this one piece? Cause this is super important. A lot of this comes down to what your why is, because in all reality, it's impossible for me to do that. If I'm thinking about, I need to get through this session to get to X, Y, Z, or I need to sell you on this session so that you'll keep paying me. My my why is this idea of love. And if you follow hashtag lead with love, you know, just throwing it out there, you'll actually see all of these posts connected to this idea that what I want to do and, and my why has to do with expressing all of the things that equal up to love so that people can follow those as a model. Again, modeling. modeling. And what you do is everything that I'm trying to do when it comes to my, my any of the choices I'm going to make, especially the ones that have to do with other people is I want to lead with this idea of love and love, not in a la-la emotional sense. I mean, love in a sense, I want to give you the best thing I can give you at this point in time. Uh, and I don't want something back from me. I don't need anything back from me. And if that means giving you a listening ear, if, I'm, if that means giving you a swift kick in the butt, whatever that means, I want to give you that right now. And now because you've experienced love, unconditional love, which is what most of us are lacking, when you go to your next choice that you have to make, you're just a little bit more likely to make that same choice, or at least you're better off to make that same choice with the next person, the next situation. And that's what BE consultant stands for. BE is for butterfly effect, because the reality is if I start off with love and I give you just a little bit of love, now when you go to your next thing and you give somebody else a little bit and they give somebody else a little bit, the idea is the butterfly flapping his wings over in the Philippines or something starts a hurricane on the East Coast of America. And that's what I'm hoping to do. 
Awesome. Kelly, before we start to wrap up, I have one, mm-hmm. one final question. You just said something that most of us are lacking love. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Oh, man. This is the basis of everything I'm doing. The, um, the, the, and this is, this is one of those Judeo-Christian Bible principles of um, God is love. God is love, and the way that you serve that love is by being obedient to God. And and not to get too biblical on everyone here, but the scriptures uh, say that the apostles asked Jesus, hey, uh, what's the most important commandment? And he said, to love your God, love your God with all your heart and soul, to love your God with everything, right? And the Bible explains to us that that means doing what he would do. What did he do? He gave us his best in his son. So I want to give everybody my best when it comes to giving them my love. And then the Bible goes on to say, what's the second thing? And he said, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So if you think about it, none of us are denying ourselves food and drink. And unless we're going through something really bad, our every inkling is to serve ourselves and better ourselves and to eat and to live, to survive. And I, that means do that for you and everyone else, because everyone is my neighbor. So if you look at the idea, the, the tenets that are put together there, it's basically, it's, it's love God in the sense that you love what he loves, which he loved us. So I got to love everybody. So that, that's why I can no longer be a black nationalist because I got to love everybody because everybody has that same value to God. And then Jesus is backing that up saying, hey, love your neighbor. So in that sense, that is the basis of my practice. So uh, I work with some with some clients for free. Uh, if you can pay, I, I really do try to get paid for it. But I work with some people for free because if there's a case there where I can give you this thing because you need this thing, there's no way I can say because of money, I can't, you know. I, so well, I, I will say it for you, Kelly. I will yes. say it for you. Okay. I will say it for you. Say it. <laughs> you said there's no way you can say you can't yeah. do it. I will say it for you. I can't you. do it. but no seriously this is this has really been really eye-opening um very powerful i i am so grateful for the insights and the nuggets that you have shared today and i just want to let our audience capture the the thoughts and the the summaries that came out of this conversation that i heard i Mm -hmm. mean i definitely heard from the beginning i mean if if kelly can transform if Kelly can transform and give us yep. a model, we are setting ourselves up for success. To be able to come from a background and a place where insults were fun, insults were great, insults were just the norm between mm-hmm. Black cultures, mm-hmm. to now being a man who is so active and proactive and helping to form that bridge between Black cultures, starting yep. with ourselves, that is transformative. The biggest point here was really around education, self-awareness, and learning. Learning Mm -hmm. how to be a family, learning how to have a respect for your culture, learning how to be an advocate, but not just an advocate, but being an advocate in bites so that you focus on reasoning and you're not trying to focus on convincing somebody, but really paying attention to the timing Mm -hmm. that you're giving and you're talking uh, when you're trying to help someone see things in a different way. I love the aspect where you talked about, you know, having no psychological tricks that can take away a person's choice that Mm -hmm. deserves repeating over and over and over. No matter what you do, you do not have a magic wand. You don't have a psychological um, mojo 
uh, trick to be able to remove someone's choice. But if you approach it strategically, being an advocate, operating in love, you can form that bridge towards other cultures. You can form that bridge Mm -hmm. in your family and towards um, others. So Kelly, any last comments or final words that you'd like to share for our audience? Uh, I guess if I had to say anything, I would say everything that we talked about starts with looking inside first. I'm a coach and I coach about success and success. Everyone usually goes to the stuff outside, but honestly, there is no measure of success until you look in first. So um, whether it's through me, another coach or your own research, really try to become more self-aware. It really changes the trajectory of your life and and pretty much everything in it and how you affect other people. It's a, it's a really big piece. Yes. Incredible. And Kelly, where can they find you? If they want to find you online, where can they find you? Alrighty. So I am on LinkedIn. Uh, I am under Kelly Blackman and you'll see there's a guy who looks just like the picture that you'll see on this podcast. It's me. Um, you can also go to YouTube. My channel is How to Win at Everything. Um, and I'm sure that Monique would drop all of the links in there for this stuff. Also on LinkedIn, you can actually follow the How to Win at Everything channel. You'll see every time there's a new show, I have a weekly live show that comes on. And we discuss this kind of thing. Awesome. Kelly, it's been incredible. Thank you for coming on the show You guys, this is your conclusion of another episode of the Bridge to You podcast with Monique Russell. Like and share. You can find this on Apple iTunes, my website, clairecommunicationsolutions.com. And until next time, be well. Thanks for listening to the Bridge to You podcast. Visit clairecommunicationsolutions.com or connect with me on LinkedIn, Monique Russell, or Instagram at Clear Communication Coach. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.